how I think of you is uh, it's very different than any kind of filmmaker that I've met personally. You know, not in the world, obviously, but just personally. Um, and that's because you, not in a safety way, but you don't follow any rules. Um, <laughs> so can you tell me <laughs> about how you, what you think of processes? Do you think they're overrated? Do you think they don't matter as much as long because the audience doesn't see, oh, like I planned this thing six months ahead or mm. last night? Um, yeah, tell me a bit about that. Sure. Um, well, first off, thank you for having me on. When You're you welcome. first came begging to me to come on your podcast, I was like, I don't know. You're right. That's how it happened. But I did my research, and uh, I'm happy to be here, Pom. Um, but yeah, I mean, you mentioned the rules. Like, what are the rules? Who made the rules? Fuck all that shit, dude. All that matters is you make your movie, you know? And this, I think, is something like a mentality I had when I made Blind Cop 2, which is just fucking do it, dude. You know how to make a feature. Everyone knows how to make a feature, you know? I don't know how to make a feature. I'll, like, very confidently say I think um, making... I can make a feature, mm -hmm. just making a good feature. By, by good, I mean a movie that's 90 minutes of length, that's worthy of being 90 minutes that someone's watching for 90 minutes and they're not like oh my god when will this yeah. be over um and i feel like I, I i still have so much and that's maybe a wrong mindset i was gonna say i still have so much ambition to do in short films and making a short film that's the you know there are shorts that i like that i've made but i feel like i've not reached the best capacity that i can but again, structuring a short film and a feature film are completely different. Someone can be mm -hmm. an amazing uh, feature film filmmaker and a horrible short film. So they don't necessarily correlate. But I just, um, for now, I like to focus on short films, personally. So tell me about that also. Did you want to make a feature film because it's more marketable? Or um, what was, or did you just, you know, a lot of people have a dream of making a feature film. Was that always yeah. what you wanted to do? Yeah, a lot to unpack in that question. Um, just to kind of go back, I think it, like we talk about rules and we talk about like rules of filmmaking and like ways you're supposed to do it. Um, but I think that kind of comes, when I break the rules, that kind of comes to the production side. But it's very important. One of the, I think the most important thing for me is story. So I always start with there. Like uh, going back to Blind Cop 2, we were writing the script for four years before we started shooting and the first draft of the script wasn't amazing you know it wasn't you know perfect it wasn't that final product it took a lot of rewriting it took a lot of discovering you know stuff would start to unfold um so i think that's very important coming into a movie <clears throat> and you know just to kind of i i did mention you can do whatever but you know there I hate to backtrack on it, but there are some things you have to do, especially when telling a story, you know, but when making a film, you can go, you can do whatever, dude. So especially now with these cameras, you could shoot a movie on your iPhone. I mean, people have done it. You could walk into the mall and film a whole movie, you know? Um, and then, yeah, you mentioned shorts and with the feature. I, I 
grew up watching feature films. I have a deep love for feature films. I feel like it was one of one of the things that got me. I think I one of the things that I felt most comfortable and closest with my family was like sitting down and watching a movie. Um, it just so happens those movies I would watch was like RoboCop and like Last of the Mohicans and all the schlocky, awesome 80s genre stuff, which I think influenced, you know, my first feature here. So I had it in my head that I always wanted to make a feature film. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, you want to make that perfect thing. And I, I have, I think every creative has that. And I think that's where the, I guess you could say, writer's block comes from. The mm-hmm. creator's block. This idea of perfection. Uh, I don't want this to turn into like a blind cop two podcast, but which I know is your intention. But, we might as well rename uh, it that at this point, dude. <laughs> but um, I'm wondering, when you were shooting it, at one point, at what points did you realize that like, oh, this is actually maybe so much more difficult than making a short film, or <sighs> I want to know instances that maybe you. Uh, you overlooked and you're mm-hmm. like, oh, that's going to be fine. Like, it's the same thing. We'll just shoot for 30 days instead of two days. But, um, yeah, tell me about those situations. Yeah, and I Surprises just... Um, that came along the way. You just sparked a memory in me, and that was talking to you. I remember calling you, like, right before we shot because uh, I was trying to get you on you set. Did? But you were too busy oh, okay. with your big Hollywood okay. movies up there in New York City. Yeah, yeah. But, um... No, you just remind me of that. Um, so yeah, going back to what you said, if I can understand correctly, what was your question again? <laughs> this is great, thank you, Alec. Um, I was you, saying, dude, you got me sidetracked with that memory, dude. That's your fault. I was saying, were there instances while shooting that kind of hit you out of nowhere that you were mm-hmm. like, oh, I didn't even think about that. And, like, the differences of making a short film and a feature film really... Oh, yeah. You know how we learn by doing? Like, everyone can tell you things. You can read stuff. But you don't actually learn it until you do until it. Until you do it. So I want to know, what stuff did you learn the hard way? Yeah, that's that's actually a really good question. I think, like, leading up to it right before... I remember talking with uh, the crew about this movie. We were talking about it, and saying like dude this is gonna be the hardest thing we've ever done but i think augie said this and i was like whoa this is so true is like you really don't know how hard the hardest thing you've ever done is until you do it is it like half as hard or is it is it 10 times as hard like who knows Mm -hmm. so that was kind of the beast going into it and we didn't have a lot of time to prep because the biggest thing is we set a deadline like we need to film this we need to film it the summer after i graduate so we didn't have like hardly any time to prep like two months so i think from that it the realization came of like holy shit there's all this stuff to do i don't know if i can get all this stuff done there's so many scenes there's you know this is a full-length feature film you know but you know there's like that saying how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time and that's literally how i took it you just put one step in front of the other element by element okay we need the cast we need these characters you break it all down 
And it worked, dude. It worked. There were some days, though, we'd, like, show up and we'd be like, fuck, dude, we need a rooftop. We need, like, a rooftop for a crazy rooftop scene where a guy gets, like, thrown off. So we're shooting this in Syracuse, New York, which is, like, this city, 50,000 people, has this perfect look for the movies. It's where I grew up in. It's, like, this, like, depressed feeling stuck in the 80s, which is, like, the core of the movie there. So we're driving around. We found, like, a parking lot. It's, it's, it's already, like, super late, and we just were like, all right, we got to start filming this. But we end up getting kicked out. So we're all like, this was a super low moment. I remember, like, the crew, the morale was getting low. We're like, fuck, we just got kicked out. We don't know what we're going to do. This cutie guy's like, you got to fucking leave, guys. So we're like, shit. We're just hanging out on this rooftop. And then this car comes up. This, like, dark black car comes up. And we're like, whatever, we're not paying attention to it. This dude comes out and walks over to us. And the first thing I notice is he's wearing these, like, snakeskin boots. And they're, like, blue snakeskin boots. So that's probably, like, a, not a good sign. But he came up, he started talking to the crew, and I walked over a little bit later, and basically he was like, hey, uh, you, what are you guys doing? We're like, oh, we're filming. He's like, oh, really? He's like, yeah, but we just got kicked out. We're looking for, like, a rooftop. He's like, oh, I got a rooftop. You guys want to use my rooftop? And we're at this point, we're like, fuck yeah, dude, we'll use your rooftop. So we follow this dude, we go up, he's a really Wait, nice apartment. Wait, at no point did you think that some guy in pulls up to you and says come film on my rooftop you didn't question it for a second to carry a bunch of people with you to death i think at this point as a rational human being yeah i would think that but in the moment of holy shit we already shot for weeks my brain's going i'm not in a lot of sleep yeah it's a great idea dude let's follow this dude plus there's like you know there's six of us we could hopefully take him so this guy brings us up to his apartment, which is, like, right across the street. He has this awesome apartment, and he brings us on this rooftop, and this rooftop is perfect. And the scene turns out better than I could have ever expected from this crazy dude with snakeskin boots. So I think, like, the lesson from that story, which I really took away from, was, like, if, you, if there's a will, there's a way. Like, if you really put the effort in sometimes it comes back around and something crazy like that where a fucking dude just walks up and says i have a rooftop you can film it yeah also i think if you want to do stuff like that the people you do it with is really important um because if you have people that you already know and you have a good chemistry with and they're friends oh totally not just there you know if you had someone random there who's there to do a job and they're you know that's their only mindset um I'm sure you would have hell doing yeah. such things. I could but not have made I, this movie conventionally. You're totally right. And, you, and what was awesome about the crew is like we had one singular goal and everyone just put – would stop at nothing to, to achieve this goal. Like I had an amazing backing from – a support from this, this crew too, which w I wouldn't have been able to make this movie without it, to be frank, you know? Yeah. It, it's also like um, – uh, I mean, I don't want to make this f film school oriented, um, but there were these sets that you go on and think, and, and it's not even film school, it's anywhere, and things start to go wrong because that's what happens. Mm -hmm. And there are people who start complaining about it and just bringing morale down and talking about it to everyone and it spreads and it spreads and it makes everyone angry. Um, my thing was always like, 
aren't you here because you like making films? Like, okay, there is a limit to it, right? You can't just abuse people and say, well, you know, we're making art. No, you got to also treat people right. But someone who expects nothing to go wrong and be on this perfect set that everything is so ironed out and you don't go a minute over and you get served lobster... Like you, you're probably doing this for the wrong reasons. Um, you don't give your crew so, lobster. You know, I know someone that we both know that gave his crew lobsters. Wow, I'm not gonna say who. Um, <laughs> Joseph. Interesting. No, he wouldn't do that. Anyways, um, yeah. So yeah. So like being there and. I think attitude always matters so much. Just like, if something happens, okay, we'll talk about it and we'll figure it out. We'll fix it. Um, now, at one point, you'll say, okay, this guy has no idea what he's doing and this is never yeah. gonna get done. That's another story. But to get back to you, I realize that you always work with the same people. Um, did you any time get tempted to be like, you know what, we have good chemistry and we're friends, right? But I want to work with better people. And I know it's a wrong thought. It's like a cynical thought. Uh, but I think it happens to all of us. That you're like, you know what, this person's maybe mm. holding me back. If I work with this person, I'll make better films. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've, I've definitely had those thoughts. I've definitely been tempted. But it's like that, you know, the grass is always greener type of thing with working with someone else. Um, I think it's just working with somebody you get along with and somebody that gets you. Like, that's the biggest thing. If The less you have to explain to somebody and, like, waste, or, you know, take, not waste, but take your energy, explain to somebody, the more time you have to, you know, you stretch your creative freedom muscles. Um, so I always looked for that in, in people and partners, people that get me and get what I'm doing and, you know, also bring stuff to the table um but yeah i mean i wouldn't lie if i said i you know i want to jump around try this over here try that you know double dip over here or whatever um and i think a reason why i've i've stayed a pretty loyal is um comfort too which is maybe not the best reason i should probably maybe you know try to collaborate with more people because you know you learn new shit on every project have you never tried oh i totally have tried but i think a good example with blind cop and why it stayed so consistent is we had a base from the beginning like i said i started with this four years ago Uh, my friend augie came on and then also helped you know write the rest of the movie with me and then isaac came on later and we all kind of collaborated on this and then we you know we had sections from there we like storyboarded stuff we shot the pitch trailer we did a kickstart together it was like raising a baby but that baby yeah his name is blind cop too uh when you when you worked with other people um while making films what did you what was that experience like did it did the did you make it and be like oh something's different because the chemistry lacks or did it actually work out fine um, I want to know what that, you know, I, I, want, I want you to tell me your experience in working with different people, a group that you have better chemistry with and a group that maybe, you know, you're there for the first time working with these people. 
yeah, working with different people again, I, f- I feel like you really get to see new perspectives and also get to hopefully take a step back and be a little more objective with your work and how you're acting, you know, and how you're collaborating with other people. Um, yeah, I think, again, it's, uh, it's tough to like say much more with the collaboration stuff, but yeah, you just, you're growing, you're learning new stuff, but it's also important to, if you find something you really like and you, you gel together, you should run with that for as long as it takes you, you know? Mm-hmm. Making, um, what do you think is the most difficult part? So I've seen the, um, the trailer you guys shot, right? Um, and that acts like a short, I mean, it's shorter than a short, it's a trailer, mm-hmm. but since you write as well, <clears throat> what do you think are the main differences in writing a short film that works and writing a feature film that works? Yeah, I mean, I've, with the feature, I focus a lot more on like story and also characters and just fleshing everything out. And with a short film, I really like to just, you know, leave a little taste with a short film, a taste of a world, a taste of a character, of a situation. And you want to like hint it, hint at as much as possible in that, you know. Um, but yeah, with, with Blind Cop, it was so interesting. It was like almost like breathing life into a character and exploring the, the day-to-day life with this character. And what I really liked about this, because Blind Cop 2, spoiler alert, is a sequel, is I got to write a feature film as a sequel, which was a great creative exercise because it already had this history. I didn't have to start from the Big Bang or whatever. There's already all the shit that happened. And I can add this into the character. So the first time we see the character, there's already, you can already tell so much about him. And that's what I really like. And that's what I like in movies too. When you're watching a movie, when, you, when you're seeing these characters and they feel real, you're interested in them. You're seeing how they act. You know, you want to follow them on this journey where it leads them. Why do you think we connect to movies so well? Um, and to me i you know i've read books i've read screenplays um i've read an article um i've seen stage plays but when i watch a movie that really connects it does it or or music right i've listened to music that i enjoy um but when i watch a movie that really connects with me it makes me feel so many more emotions and so much more um and it stays with me for so much longer why do you think movies in general have uh and maybe not everyone feels that way but uh why do you think movies have that power to do that i've always felt with movies uh and personally what i really loved about the art of filmmaking is it's the culmination of many different arts you have performance, you know, you have lighting, you have choreography, movement of the camera, everything come together. Music, I mean, that's a major part of it too, and sound. I always say, like, sound's half the battle with movies. Like, I always like in all my success, or all my movies that, you know, I feel are my best are the ones that a lot of effort was put into sound. Like, that's so important. 
but it's all this stuff that comes together. You can't have one without the other. And I really feel like it's like the the pinnacle of all this stuff, which makes a impactful movie, which is what we're all aiming for. You know, to hit you mm-hmm. right in the the heart, right in the scrotum with your movie. You make a lot of comedies. Um, aren't you? Weren't you ever worried that making comedies would uh, have less of a punch? You got some good questions here, dude. I'm really impressed. It's like you're making know, me think, I, dude. It's a lot of thinking. <laughs> but yeah, that was the goal. Not plugging blank ops uh, too, but okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's funny because I really like dark movies. I like comedies too, but I'm really into like thrillers. Yeah. And I think the reason why I kind of go towards comedy especially with this first movie, it's kind of like a necessity. Nobody wants to watch fucking a kid out of film school make Cloud Atlas. Six hour long movie. No one wants to watch that. But somebody might want to watch Blind Cop 2. And hopefully in Blind Cop 2, which is kind of in this genre, this gender, whatever you want to call it, as a comedy, hopefully in there there's drama there's stuff that you're like whoa what is this this is a lot more different than i thought it it was you know pretending to be yeah i mean i don't agree that comedy can't provide that punch um like the movie liar liar which is a comedy i love that movie and it movie yeah it i think it uh has so much heart and soul and also, maybe it's nostalgia, right? Because there are some movies that you watch when you were a kid or much mm-hmm. younger, and then you watch it. And what? Jim Carrey, dude. He's and Jim Carrey. Freaking yeah, you watch it like 20 years later, and you're like, huh. You know, and you still love it. But sometimes I wonder if you watch the same movie for the first time today, will you have the same connection? I think the answer is no. Um, yeah, it all, I think it all depends on where, you, where you're at in life and... Yeah. You'll feel stuff to it. I feel the same way about music. There's some music I don't like the first time I hear it, and then later I'm like, whoa, this shit slaps or whatever, you know? Right. What's a comedy that, aside from the humor and the entertainment, it really made you feel emotions that you still remember to this day? Like a comedy I, that you watch and you're I, like, wow, this has a, like a message... There's a movie called Starship Troopers by Paul Verhoeven, one of my favorite directors. This dude's incredible. And it's this movie, again, that is kind of dressed up as a, I guess you could say, like, schlocky comedy, almost like sitcom-y in the beginning feeling, and it ends up being like, holy shit, our, all of our main characters are dying brutally. And it's just, like, so interesting how you set up this movie as one thing and you kind of lead us down this other path and you bring the audience with you and that kind of impacts them you're bringing them on a journey so i guess uh to answer that question yeah movies that bring me on a journey movies that make me feel movies that the characters feel grounded because then you can latch on to them and really get the emotion out yeah it also made me think of being john malkovich um it just has such a strange it's a quirky setting. movie yeah it's so strange but it has so much and i don't want to get pretentious but it has so much philosophy and uh brain yeah. and thought and complexity 
but what is it about? It's about like this short uh, between two floors of a building and people have to crouch and, and people go in this garbage chute disposal and they go in it, it. First of all, also when I watch things like that, I'm like, someone had to think of that. Like someone sat in a room one day and was like, you know what? I'm going to write a screenplay about this. Yeah, and it's incredible, and it's so unique and interesting. And I and also was thinking of... like convincing, like, 50 other people, or how many, that this works. Hey, like, <laughs> let's make a movie about this. Yeah. Yeah, another one I think of is, like, Frank. Have you seen Frank? I've not seen Frank, oh, bro. It's not even, like, a... I mean, I guess you could say it's a dramatic movie, but it's not, like, a movie that's, like, a tearjerker, but I still, like... I watched it and I ended up like crying at the end because mm-hmm. it's like a, it's just a burst of emotions for this climax. I love yeah. amazing climaxes in movies. I, yeah. I think that's kind of where you can have these incredible moments where you get the butterflies and the music's blaring and all this, yeah. you know. I, th- I think making horror and comedy are two of the most difficult genres to work in. Um, you can make them and and usually uh, a lot of people do that because of how simple it is to make a movie and say it's comedy or horror but it's like either filled with jump scares or you know uh, really dumb jokes that may be funny to you and your friends but don't come out funny to other people Mm -hmm. Um, so I think making a comedy or horror the right way is really difficult when you when you write a joke how can you tell that it will work with other people and not just to you and i think too with comedy and horror is what gets tough is they get gimmicky uh and i think that's where it can be challenging is you you can there's easy ways to do it cliches people have done and that's kind of what people fall into where a horror movie feels stale or comedy in terms of writing jokes, um, man, I think it's like writing everything. You need a setup and a payoff. But I guess the trick with a joke is the payoff is different than what you think might happen. But that's how every good suspense, any thriller, any horror should be. You know, you take someone some way and you flip it the other way. I think what helps with that stuff is um, refine, writing and refining because um, what helped I, I had the first draft of the script done and then at SCAD I took like a two semester screenwriting class so I was able to rewrite the script and perform it out loud which I was deathly afraid to do because the movie's called Blind Cop 2 I thought I was going to get a lot of shit for it which I did in the beginning but I you, I want people over with it because it's got to have that core and that's where you can kind of test out the jokes you can see what gets laughs you can see what gets whoa that's a little too much there um, because at the end of the day, you're performing it for an audience, so you kind of need to get the taste of that. So I really like table reads. Table reads, yeah. And the reason I say that is because if you're writing a, uh, you're making a drama, and you have a scene that's supposed to be emotional, some people will cry, some people will just get sad, some people will just get serious. It doesn't have to have that prompt reaction. But when you write a joke, if they don't laugh and it just lies flat, you failed. But people I, notice I'm that. I'm going to disagree they're, they're, in one sense because well, well, let me some finish of my... And then you can, you can disagree. Okay, all right. You know, so, like, you sit in a movie theater and uh, a scene happens and the, the 
the payoff happens and it's supposed to, and then you look at the, your friend beside you and you're like was that was that their joke like was it supposed to be funny and no one laughs and i don't know to me that's failing and what makes it what i, what I say comedy is hard is because it's so apparent when you fail but when you make a drama if a scene fails to really punch you like it should no one's got not everyone cries or not everyone really expresses how sad or emotional they get over a scene uh but yes why do you disagree well i was just gonna say you're right if the goal of the joke is just that then yes you failed i always think the goal of a joke is to make you think and some of my favorite jokes are the ones when nobody laughs i don't know why that's the funniest shit to me but you're right, it's not for everybody. And that's why every movie's not for everybody. You can't get a 100% score on Rotten Tomatoes or, you know, fucking gross apples yeah. or whatever whatever review sites we got here. Um, no, to me, it's people's reaction. Not, I don't really care what the review is. And, and even you mentioned dramas. You can have drama moments that just feel phony and cringy and oh yeah similar sure. similar regard right with the if you have a jokes like set up you know and nobody laughs it, it can be tough but i i is that if that happens and you're and that makes everyone turn away and your movie fail in that moment you messed up as a filmmaker because you shouldn't be relying on the joke the joke should just add to the scene add to the story add to what's happening it should the scene shouldn't be built around that which a lot of modern comedies and why you know, I hate to... It's tough to put comedy in genre because there's so many different ones. A lot of modern comedies, um, at least of, you know, the past couple of years have been... A lot of the scenes just focus on a joke. Whether whether mm-hmm. it's like somebody takes too many laxatives and shits himself in public, you know. But it's just like goofy shit. Yeah. I don't find that as funny. I mean, you're laughing a bit, maybe... Shit I'm laughing because of because of your um, <laughs> uh, no but also when you write about absurd things um, they have to come from somewhere it like it gets into your mind because it comes from somewhere what's I can't really speak of that because um, when I write I write things to be very completely different style than yours it's much more what you can see and you know when you walk outside that's 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 what i like in general um but the stuff you write are sometimes more uh fantasy based or things that are more rare to encounter in real life um so i'm wondering how how does that come to your head what's this like i'm sure it there's a source and then it builds and builds and gets crazier and crazier but Tell me about the source. I always try to start with a feeling, with an emotion. Um, And that's what's awesome about filmmaking. There's no right or wrong way. You can do it, you know, hyper-realistic. Or I always tend towards, like, the surrealistic, abstract side just because I've always loved film for the, the possibilities, you can make your imagination run wild. And that's something that is is perf- like amazing about it, but also something that can hold you back. If it's too ambitious, you might, have to, you might not be able to film everything, which would happen with Blind Cop. We went over budget, over shooting a little bit, and now we have to shoot you know, the rest of it 
this coming August. But yeah, I always try to start with an emotion, with a feeling, or even an idea. And I like to build on that and not limit myself with what it could be and let it try to become what it wants to be, you know, which is different for everything. And I've always felt like the best ideas for me are the ones that just come to me and the ones that stick around. Those are the ones I usually pursue because those are the ones that won't go away. If uh, when you finish, you know, you, you talk about how much you care about this feature film, right? You finish making it, it's all done, it's gone through post-production and everyone hates it. How do you get over that to make more art, to make more movies after that? Everyone hates it. Yeah, I mean that's that's. Tough I'm not to saying fathom. that's gonna happen. I'm saying it might happen. you know when you, you when, know. yeah when you care about something so much, I feel like it adds this pressure that like what if all this time that we're putting in this thing results in nothing? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm gonna and, be I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you yeah. too. I I had that anxiety, that pressure, like, oh, this needs to be perfect. That's one of the main reasons I made Blind Cop 2 was because it's Blind Cop 2. I almost felt like because it's this ridiculous idea, because it's called something absurd, there's almost no expectations for it. Therefore, I can do whatever, which was incredible. It's the greatest feeling in the world. When when you're able to – who gives a fuck what – Billy Bob thinks or Aunt Jim, Aunt Jimbo thinks, you know, like I, I'd like to throw that stuff out so I can just focus on me because I'm, if I'm making it for them, I'm not going to be happy with it. I got to make it for me, you know. Okay, that's right. But we also make stuff to be seen. You know, there's always this response that, oh, I make movies for myself because it's my passion. Yeah, that's right. But inherently, we make art so that someone can see it and see what we were trying to say or see what we were trying to do um so Mm -hmm. don't 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 you agree with that definitely and i think this goes back to what we're saying before kind of who i collaborate with is hopefully by me making a movie for myself more people that feel the way i do or can understand the way i see things will find the movie and like the movie or they might hate it, yeah. you know? But fuck, if that happens, um, I don't know, you hiring? Yeah. Yeah, I think that moment of defeat takes a type of person to, uh, you know, come over and keep going and being like, you know what, I still have so much to do. If this didn't work, something else will. I think the problem, and it's not a problem, it's it's a lot of mental pressure, it's the people who fail at one thing and they go like, you know what? Maybe this isn't for me. Um, not giving up to that thought and that pressure, I think, does a lot for people who become successful. Um, and to me, success in filmmaking is when someone texts you after watching your film and be like, hey, I watched your movie I really, I don't know, I really connected. I really laughed a lot. I loved the story. I, They say something. And it's more special when it's said by someone who doesn't have any responsibility towards you. It's not a friend. It's not, a, not, not your family. Not connected in any way. Um, that happened uh, when I made my last film. One night I was just out with a few friends. And I got this random 
I don't know, was it like an Instagram DM or it was some sort of a message from someone that I don't talk to. I know who that person is, but we don't have any friendship of any sort. And that person said, hey, I, I just watched your film and I just wanted to say that I really loved it and uh, I thought it was beautiful. And that meant so much. Um, first of all, being your movie, someone going out of their way to watch your film because we all force our friends to watch our stuff. And sometimes we can tell that they don't want to be watching this, but they do it because they're your friend. But someone who goes out of their way, watches it, appreciates it, connects with it. You feel like, you know, they've given you the world. Um, I want you to tell me, have you shared a similar experience about something that you've made? Yeah. And having that feeling, you're right, is awesome because it's almost like, oh, somebody, you know, it was all worth something and it made sense to somebody and somebody got an impact out of it. And that's what we're all trying to do, you know? Like, you're right, obviously I wouldn't be making movies if it was just me here, you know? Um, You want to impact people. It's almost like at the end of the day for me, it's almost... You, you, I'm reaching out, you know, you're reaching out to people, you're connecting. And that's kind of what filmmaking is. That's what art is, is understanding our place on this earth and either having to laugh about it, having to cry about it or. Yeah, I, I once wrote this script and um, there was a table read with a group and it got. There were some loud people in that group who said very negative things about it. Um. And it was very discouraging to hear because uh, it was a story that meant something to me that I cared about. And when I say that, I don't mean that it was perfect and uh, like, oh, this is flawless. No one can say anything about it. No, but the tone of the uh, criticism was not something that would help me. And it was very discouraging. But then afterwards, uh, someone who was not as vocal Uh, And again, no friendship. I just know that person sent me a message saying, hey, like that scene that was there, the exact thing has happened to me. And uh, I really felt that. And just seeing that message made me forget all the discouraging um, things that were said in that meeting. So when you were working on this feature film that you say is your baby, Um, I hate when people say that, but when you said it, it made sense. Well, I'm going to say it again. (laughs) Um, I birthed it. I'm I'm sure there were parts that you were discouraged. First of all, tell me, was there ever an instance that you were like, you know what, maybe I shouldn't do this. Maybe I should scrap it. And then if it happened, how would you get over that? And then if you tell me about some of the, you know, negative maybe inputs that put doubt in your head about it. I've had I had that thought every day, and I still have that thought every day. It doesn't even have to be with a movie, you know. It could be with life, with other shit, you know. Just give up. But I think at the end of the day, you need to look at that and see where that's coming from. What are you afraid of? And that's really what I I. There was days I would wake up. I would I would first thing I would do. There's a moment. I think the last three weeks we're shooting all nights. So I'd wake up at like 4 p.m. And then we'd shoot till like 5 a.m. And I'd never see the sun. 
and I'd wake up, I'd go take a shower, and I would just sit there in the shower, trying to, like, push myself through it, through this, like, mental and physical exhaustion that was making this baby. And all you, what you have to do is you just got to keep pushing. And, and when you hear that voice, that probably means you're on track because you're, you're scared. You know, you know what's at risk. You know, you could go back to comfort or you could do this and, you know, change is scary. Growth is scary. And the biggest thing you got to do is you just got to put your head down. You got to, you got to keep doing it because guess what? Like we all die. You're going to be on your deathbed and you're going to be regretting this thing that you didn't do, you know? And in terms of like, you know, people saying bad things, I've definitely had people come on set like, what the fuck is this? This is crazy. And it is crazy. You know, we're going run and gun. You know, I don't know what the hell is going on. Because the problem, too, is we had not a lot of people could stay consistently. We had people cycling in and out. Someone could come for a week. Someone could come for a weekend. And we're shooting the whole time. So they just got to we're like already in the race. We're sprinting and they have to just try to sprint up with us and try to understand. And I think it's just how different people handle stress and how different people act under high pressure and you have to realize this is how this person acts i need to figure out hey maybe what they're saying does have some truth to it maybe i need to explore that maybe i just need to accept what they're saying that they could be right but i maybe i disagree maybe they have a different whole output of life of making movies maybe they're the type of guy that likes to sit down and smoke a cigar and let the film roll and just you know enjoy the day you just have to Try to understand everybody and yourself as best as possible and then surround yourself with the people that you think is going to help you and help your movie, you know? That's like what I was saying before with anyone knows how to do it. It's that simple. It's like the 10,000-hour rule. You just do it. You just, every day you do it. You do it. You do it. If you wanted to make a feature, you could. You know how to. You could probably do it in a weekend. It might not be good if you do it in a weekend. You might need time to prep it. That's the scariest part. But even with writing, dude, there was days with writing, I'd look at the page. I didn't know what, what was going to happen. You just, you got to do the work. You got to put it in. You got to have faith that it will come to you. Yeah, and it's exactly what you're saying. It's believing in what you're doing. Um, but again, since we're all human, there are, part, there are points in our lives that we, this belief gets weakened because of circumstances or also when you work with friends chemistry is great but the risk is when things start going wrong and under pressure people crack and friends turn into something that we didn't expect them to turn uh, or they do things or say things it's happened to me i'm sure it's happened to you where you're like wow you know this person i've known them for this amount of time I can't believe that they would go and say that. And then your art that you're, you feel so passionately about, and it's already personal, mixes with other personal elements of the people that you care for. Uh, and that gets even more tough. But tell me about the closest instant, instance you got to, like specifically, to being like, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to do this. I, I just want to know, was there, like, a specific example that in your head 
pops up when you went you were closest closest to just giving up on this uh, four year whatever dream I don't know I can't tell you the moment that made me say I'm gonna give up because I never did but I can tell you the moment okay. that told me that said I need to do this I okay. need to yeah. and that was a moment I was in Savannah it was summer I think it was the summer of my junior year and I was a PA working on a set and up until that point, you know, when I first got to SCAD, I was like, bro, I want to get on movies. It's going to be so awesome. And then I was able to get on some. And, you know, I was like so excited. And then after a while, it kind of beat me down a bit. And I ended up on this set, which is kind of like a more low budget, but still like a couple million or whatever. And it was torture. I was like treated so bad by just like the people who were kind of in charge because they were stressing out. So they were like throwing it on other people that I, it was unbearable. It was like, I had to go to my fucking car and like call my dad with my voice trembling. Like it was so, it was like really hard, like just getting emotionally berated. Just like, and I, I was, I made mistakes too. You know, it was like a new set. Like there was, you know, I didn't give food to somebody in time and the dude would like radio me. He's like, Hey, yeah, Alec, go to two. I get a two and he's like screaming at me like, what the fuck? You're making me look bad. You can't fucking do this. And, you know, I'm like, I don't know, 19 or whatever. And I'm just like soaking this all in and I don't know what to do. And I'm freaking out and now I'm getting stressed. So there was, I think it was that night where it was just like, it was just too much. And I was sitting outside of the trailer. It was like pitch black. I had to like watch the trailer for some reason. If we're like, you know, we're in the middle of nowhere. I guess if a fucking ghost comes by and like robs a trailer. And I remember having this thought of like, dude, I don't want to do this for other people. I don't want to work for other people and be miserable. I'd rather work for myself and be miserable if I had to be. But at least I'm working towards this. I'm not doing this shit for this other people. So that was the moment where I realized, and I I remember I called Augie at the time. And I was like, dude, we got to do this. We have to make a movie. We're deciding a movie. We're writing down all our ideas and we're going to pick on a movie. So we, you know, had some meetings and we picked it off. But I think that was the moment that got the snowball rolling, which just escalated from there. And it came to the point, which this was like a year, I don't know, two years before we shot, that there was so much momentum. I couldn't stop it, dude. I couldn't be like, no. There was so much riding on it. There was so much people, you know, who invested in it. So many people who, who gave so much love and, and support that I couldn't let these people down, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's really the armor that kept me, that helped me take on everything and kept me moving. Yeah, and when people, you know, like what you were saying about this guy screaming about getting the food late, um, it's probably that that person was under pressure for something else and they're like, who am I going to take this on? All right, this 19-year-old PA, I'm going to do this. And it's just, I think it's a big sign of insecurity um and also not not having the right temperament to work on a movie set i think because film sets are meant to go wrong there is i don't know a single film set where a hundred percent of things have gone right now with the right uh pre-production you can get close to like 90 something percent but you can't get to that 100 and people who then start to try to find someone else to take their anger on it's just it's horrible. Anyways, that was a tangent. But I was also going to say, uh, I have not seen anyone 
and maybe that's just me, who is more zen and calm when things go wrong on movie sets. Uh, there's this one example. We, the two of us, we were at this coffee shop, and you wanted to film at the cash register, and this coffee shop was fully functioning. They were still working, but they just didn't have much business, so we were filming there. And then customers started lining up, and you were like, "No, it's okay, it's okay. We'll just, <laughs> we're not done yet. We'll keep filming." And I was like, "No, <laughs> there are like six people standing to actually order food or coffee from this place." Um, and you were like so calm and chill about it, and I was. Which I also I don't freak out, but that was a moment that I was like, no, you can't do that. You gotta.、Uh, we can come back to it, but but anyways, how do you how do you stay so calm? Or maybe、I、you mean, don't show it that you're not calm, but how do you keep that under control? It's funny that I I hear a good amount of people say that about me, and I like I'm an anxious person. I get anxiety. I get afraid. Um, yeah, maybe I don't show it that much. I definitely internalize a lot.、Um, but yeah, with that coffee shop stuff, I don't know, dude. In the heat of the moment, I'm like, I'm gonna get it done until I'm happy. I don't want to leave with any regrets. I want to get it done. If these people have to wait, I'm sorry, you're not gonna get your latte in time, you know. But.、Um, <laughs> And most of the time, people are okay with it. it. It takes longer to break down and then set back up. And I, I think I knew in the moment what's what's the future going to look like. Hey, we wait five more minutes, and another group comes in, and a school bus comes in, and you know it's all over.、Um, oh, it could go either way. It could, you it, know, it could also go where the coffee shop manager is like, "You're disrupting my business. All of you get out." And then that's worse. But, it could,、yeah. and you definitely don't want to do that first thing when you get there. Maybe, maybe last thing. And on Blind Cop, I definitely angered some property owners.、Um, I don't know. It's again, it's that re- relentless mentality. Get it done. You know, get the movie done. Go do it. Fucking, if you have to buy some people some coffee after because you made them upset, that sucks. You know.、Um, but yeah, I don't like to do that stuff. Um, but sometimes it's, I guess, necessary in the moment.、Uh, but yeah, in ter- terms of Zen, like you need to be, you need to be calm.、Um, you can't be the paranoid leader.、Uh, you're never gonna get shit done. You're gonna go crazy. You need to be the voice of reason, and that's really tough sometimes.、Um, and you need to be the one that everyone looks to when shit hits the fan. And I try to do that. Uh, was there an instance where、um, you were the one who was freaking out and it came out? I'm sure there was moments on set where you have a little freak out, and I've definitely had them. I don't think on set, but like before set, where I'm like getting worked up about something. And how do you calm yourself down? How do you say like, okay, I got to figure out a way instead of freaking out? I think the you just gotta. You got you got to center yourself. You got to take a moment, and it, it's different for everybody. But usually, I just take a moment, go somewhere quiet, and center yourself, reassess. You need to be if you really want to handle the problem. You you can't be 
100% emotional. You need to be critical about it and realize, okay, this is what I need to do next if I want to get this done and then I can knock this out and I can do that. Again, it's eating the elephant one bite at a time. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Uh, yeah, and I think you should be able to know how to not crack under pressure if you want to make films, especially if you have a role that requires leadership and you have other people who, uh, you know, your, your work directly depends on them. Well, every role is dependent, but I mean, you know, you're like the head of a department. That's a better word. Um, and yeah, because you, we all, nobody yeah, wants we all, to be that. Nobody wants that guy on set. Nobody, you don't want to be that guy that's freaking out in the yeah. corner. Yeah. No one's friends my, 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 my mindset's usually that, okay, something unfortunate happened. I see people freaking out. I'm like, okay, I don't want to be that. That's not going to solve anything. That's just going to waste time. Considering what has happened, what can we do about it? And I know that decision has to come real quick. And then I just go with my gut and be like, this is the next best thing that we can do. And let's do that. Um, and it's much easier said than done. Different people have different temperaments and it's not like they want to freak out. But uh, I think that's a quality that definitely helps. I think too, uh, I was thinking back to on set days, what made me realize this is witnessing people on set do the opposite and things get worse. Something goes wrong and they freak out and then it just gets worse and maybe somebody gets hurt. Maybe some shit goes wrong or whatever. I always distinctly remember noticing the people that were calm would always handle their shit and it would be okay. But the people that act like it was the end of the world, they almost like it became the end of the world for them. Yeah. And then the last thing, uh, what's your favorite movie? Gosh, man, you got to throw that one on me. One should pop into your head. There's always one. So, I mean, it, it, it always fluctuates. Um, I don't know why. When you say favorite movie, I say The Thing. It just has, like, a, such a cool atmosphere to it. This atmosphere of paranoia, which, you know, you don't get from a lot of movies. Um, and that was a movie, too. There's maybe a bit of nostalgia. I grew up watching that. Um, and just being fascinated by it. But I don't know, man. It changes all the time. It depends the mood I'm in. You know, it depends my menstrual cycle, all that shit. We're going we're gonna to stick with the thing. All right. What about you? Favorite movie? My favorite movie? It's Whiplash. I have, oh, yeah, I have, yeah. You're still a Whiplash boy, dude. Always Whiplash. I don't think that's, that's nice. ever going to change. See, mine was Nightcrawler yeah. before, and I was like a hardcore Nightcrawler dude. Okay. But then uh, the director came out with two more movies, and... I was very disappointed with them, so I shifted gears. But you can still like Nightcrawler, yeah, I still right? like it, but it's not my favorite movie anymore. Because he made two movies that were bad afterwards? <laughs> I think I also like grew out of that phase and started to like other things and started to expand out, but I also realized, like, hey, shit, maybe this guy's a bit of a hack. I don't know. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, Alec. Hopefully he you. doesn't hear this. Tony This Gilroy. was fun. Enjoyed hearing your insights. Yeah, man. Hey, this was this was really fun.